Can you imagine what this will do for my reputation? Screwing the new headmaster's daughter before school starts. She'll be my greatest victory. You don't stand a chance. Even this is out of your league. Care to make a wager on that? I'll think about it. Oh, well. Duty calls. Dr. Greenbaum and her daughter should make for an exciting entry. Oh, gee, your journal. Could you be more queer? Could you be more desperate to read it? Oh, Sebastian. Could you come here for a second? About that little wager of yours. Count me in. What are the terms? If I win, then that hot little car of yours is mine. And if I win? I'll give you something you've been obsessing about ever since our parents got married. Be more specific. In English, I'll fuck your brains out. What makes you think I'd go for that bet? That's a 1956 Jaguar Roadster. Because I'm the only person you can't have and it kills you. No way. You can put it anywhere. Got yourself a bet, baby. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 258, Cruel Intentions. And this is listener request number 22, courtesy of Justin. Yeah, something tells me he was going for something right up our alley. What a time period to revisit the late 90s. One thing that stands out about this one, though, is for the the era when this came out, it kind of stands apart. Because this was an R-rated movie. Yeah. Producer Neil H. Moritz, a name we've talked about oh, in the past, yep. he insisted that it be rated R. And it is. And it's trashy, campy fun. And it's the type of movie you wish still existed now. <laughs> sure. Something we say all the time. Yeah. But just horrible people being horrible and the fun that you have with that. It's just endlessly watchable. So before we jump into it, Let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Let us know if you'd like a sticker. If you have a listener request like 
Justin, you can let us know on Twitter. Hopefully someday we'll get to it. If you missed the episodes at the end of last year, we're trying to do about one a month, and we're pretty much booked up for 2021, but we'll see what we can do. Yeah. So don't hesitate. We'll still try to do it, but just so you know. So find us on Letterboxd1983 and Matt Crosby. I hadn't revisited this movie in quite a while. Probably, I, ne- I didn't see it when it came out. I mean, I was in middle school. Although some of the girls that I was in middle school with definitely saw it. Because <laughs> they were talking about <laughs> they it. They didn't have good parental supervision. Um, but it's just a wild movie. I watched it in the early 2000s and I had a pretty good memory of what happened. I can't remember when the last time I watched it was, but it's been quite some time. It's a little bit goofier than I remember, but certainly still as fun as I remember. It was directed by Roger Cumble, screenplay by Cumble based on the 1782 novel Les Liaisons Dangerouses. Oh, yeah. By Pierre Choladero de whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Lacalus. I'm not great with the French names. Budget $10.5 million. Box office $75.9 million. It was a surprise hit. Although it received mixed reviews, it currently holds a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is ridiculous. It's a great movie. <laughs> and Roger Ebert was a fan, though. I think he gave it three out of four or something like that. And Excellent. Praised it. Yeah, you had nudged me to watch Dangerous Liaisons. I didn't realize the whole connection there, that this was sort of a modernized version of that. Well, I mean, obviously it's based, it's based on the same source material, but Dangerous Liaisons is actually... An adaptation true to the novel. So I watched that. That was a super fun version of this. Although the era thing I'm not as into. The whole powdered wigs thing. <laughs> I thought Malkovich was kind of weird for the role. I think he has part of it down. I'm not really buying him as a charming womanizer, I don't think. But the scenes with him and Glenn Close are unbelievable. Only to be topped by <laughs> the scenes with Sebastian and Catherine in this movie. Dangerous Liaisons came out in 1988, directed by Stephen Frears, starring Glenn Close, John Malkovich, Michelle Pfeiffer right. in the Reese Witherspoon part, Keanu Reeves, oh. Uma Thurman in, I guess, the Selma Blair part, yeah, and Swoozy Kurtz, who actually appears in this film as the therapist at the beginning. Oh, yeah. She crosses over, does both. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end and then maybe compare some of the things that happen when we're going through Cruel Intentions. Yeah, this movie is just campy, trashy fun. I think that there is definitely a void in today's entertainment where something like this could fit right in. I don't see why many attempts to reboot or sequelize this thing and get it off the ground haven't worked out. I think that's probably because of where it's landed. It's not going to work on network TV or something like that. Probably needs to be on like an HBO or a Netflix or something. Pushing the hard R like a euphoria right succession meets euphoria yeah that's what i would think okay, for something yeah. like this i think you could have a lot of fun with it as a like a 10 part series or something <laughs> just focusing on sebastian and Catherine and like their exploits their scenes are definitely the best so let's talk a little bit about <laughs> the awards that this film won which i thought was fun okay best kiss i'm thinking at the blockbuster entertainment awards wow Favorite supporting actress, drama or romance for Reese Witherspoon. Okay. A little bit of a surprise there. She was a dark horse in that one. Golden Trailer Awards at one trashiest trailer. Absolutely. 
MTV Movie Awards, it had five nominations. Best Male Performance for Ryan Philippe. Best Female Performance for Sarah Michelle Gellar, which it won. Mm-hmm. Best Breakthrough Performance for a Female for Selma Blair. Best Villain, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, yeah. Best Kiss between Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair, which it won. <laughs> to, like, thunderous applause. <laughs> it was one of the moments of the 90s. It seemed like in the 90s there was just these moments all the time. It doesn't feel like in a way that we have anymore. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, yeah, even like Bittersweet Symphony becoming a huge hit oh, right. off the back of this yeah. movie is something that would never happen now. There's just a lot of like cultural connectivity when everyone's having a shared moment. And shared moments are rare and few and far between now, Yeah, I think. Oh, I'd say so. I mean, the last one I remember us all sort of enjoying together was when La La Land thought they won Best Picture. <laughs> well, probably Spider-Man for most of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but not us. <laughs> Teen Choice Awards, seven nominations. Choice Movie Drama, which it won. Can you believe how many award shows there used to be? Choice Movie Actor. Choice Movie Actress for Reese. If there's any commentary on how disconnected we are now, (laughs) it's the fact that there used to just be endless award shows. It got nominated twice in the category of Choice Movie Sleazebag. <laughs> That's my kind of award. Sarah Michelle Gellar won, but Ryan Philippe was also nominated. Choice Movie Hissy Fit, Ryan <laughs> Philippe. Yeah. Choice Sexiest Love Scene for Ryan Philippe and Reese Witherspoon. He really is just like a pouting douche in this movie. Choice Movie Soundtrack. No Oscar nominations. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Sarah Michelle Gellar, snub. Yeah, we'll get to that later. I specifically noted who was nominated and who won that year yeah. and everything. And I think there was room for Sarah Michelle Gellar. This she should have been nominated at least. Right. This is not a top Ryan Phillippe performance. It's certainly not I Know What You Did Last Summer level. Reuniting with SMG the year after I Know What You Did Last Summer, getting the gang back together. That's There's right. even a little nod to JLH with the magazine cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just didn't know how good we had it yeah. back then. Well, you know, this, I mean, this was kind of like the new Brat Pack to some degree, like these guys. and They were trying. Freddie Prince. Yeah. I mean, there was a little <laughs> run. Oh, there was a run there. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't Geller in Scooby-Doo too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What great movies. <laughs> Originally, the film was going to be called Cruel Inventions, which Oof. stinks. Yeah. I don't really know why. I, I can't figure out how that would have been better Like when Intentions is sitting right there. Like, what? I know. It seems like it would have been a shortcut to Intentions, and then you would have immediately been like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, no one should ever even know that Inventions was an option. Yeah, it took test screenings where the people thought it was going to be... That's bizarre. ...a I... science fiction thing or something. <laughs> like, they didn't understand the invention part, which I don't yeah. either. I love the idea of going into something thinking it's something completely different, and then it's this. This is what it is. <laughs> a lot of talking, a lot, lot of, of scheming. Like, you know, not <laughs> incest, but certainly frowned upon <laughs> relations being discussed. Not frowned upon in this apartment. No. no. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into it. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of fun to have with this movie. An endless buffet of... Terrible behavior. Sarah Michelle Gellar stealing the show. Hard to believe that these kids are in high school. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> like, what? Honestly, Manchester I, prep school? I think Selma Blair was born in 1972. She was like 27. <laughs> and she's supposed to be the youngest 
of yeah. these kids and she's the oldest by far i gotta tell you i wouldn't have been able to keep up with the dialect of sebastian and Catherine in high school I <laughs> or mean, now well sh- yeah definitely <laughs> too illiterate the film opens with sebastian played by ryan Philippe, driving by a cemetery hmm <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> driving th- to the city in that car Oh, yeah. Just a total douche with those sunglasses on. Absolutely, though. (laughs) It's rare that I can tell that a car is cool, and in this instance, I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, somebody that young in that car in the 90s with those sunglasses. Oof, what a (laughs) douchebag. Yeah, you're just waiting for that person to get hit by a car. He's going to see his therapist, played by Swoozy Kurtz. Dr. Uh, Greenbaum. This was like a, a flash from the past for me, like the opening number placebo now that this was like a known song for me but i just remember them from yeah you know that time period and you're like wow that's a band that i just haven't thought about in 15 years yeah very time specific soundtrack sebastian is manipulative seemingly a little bit sex crazed slimy (laughs) always working on people always pulling one over somebody's eyes interesting angles but they seem to work you have killer legs I'd like to photograph them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of those things where rule number one, be attractive. Rule number two, don't be unattractive. (laughs) People that look like Sebastian get away with things that people who look like me and you don't get away with. That's right. Dr. Greenbaum's daughter is played by Tara Reid, Marcy. That did stand out to me. And she was a victim of Sebastian's games and... He's doing it to get over on Dr. Greenbaum because she's overcharging him. Which is stupid that that's the reason. I'd rather him just do it just to do it. Yeah. Okay, so the reveal here is that he's already corrupted her daughter and left her brokenhearted and set up some sort of an early days internet site with a picture of her where she's supposedly nude, although you can't really tell, that has a voice saying, you are a slut, you are. (laughs) It's just brutal. But and she's I mean, crying on the phone. Yeah. Sort of the early days of internet bullying, though. Yeah. And I think that the whole point is just to be character development. So you just learn in a, a five minute scene what the deal is with Sebastian. It's a dark path for one to go down to have this whole manipulation and play just to get to so I can create this website and put a nude <laughs> picture of it on you that says, You are a slut. <laughs> man how deranged do you have to be and that's where as the sebastian character moves along it is kind of hard to believe that he has any redemption in him yeah i think that they try to retcon that for cruel intentions too yeah <laughs> which we'll talk about later <laughs> okay. i actually had to suffer through cruel i have intentions seen a, two and three earlier i have seen two before i've never made the journey with three you're not yeah. missing anything. Okay. Two has some hilarious stuff. Yeah, in it. yeah. Three is worthless. They're both straight to video in case anyone was confused. <laughs> Fred Norris from the Howard Stern Show popping up as the meter maid for a minute. Oh, wow. Ryan Philippe, a massive Howard Stern fan. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Next, in an upscale New York City mansion, wealthy and popular teenager Catherine Mortoy, Sarah Michelle Geller discusses her prep school with Mrs. Caldwell, played by Christine Baranski, and her daughter, Cecile, played by Selma Blair. Mrs. Caldwell sees Catherine as a potential mentor for Cecile, a guiding light, if you will. Yeah, not a good judge of character. 
No, but that is essentially what this film ends up being about, which is this obsession with reputation and the cultivation of reputation. And I do think that Catherine's character ends up being much more interesting than you would think on the surface. I would agree. And she has like one monologue in particular that I think stands out in the movie. And it's like during that whole part where she's talking about being the Marsha fucking Brady of yeah, the yeah, yeah. side. I think that's like one of her strongest parts in the whole film. Well, yeah, it, it, it sheds some light onto why the reputation that she's cultivated is a prison. Yeah. And the reputation that Sebastian has cultivated is fun and it, he just gets to right. do whatever he wants. It is hilarious at the end when she's like basically trying to tell Sebastian that your whole thing is ruined. Everyone's going to know you're a loser. <laughs> like that's what everything's about. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. what this all ends up being about. There is a certain snake oil salesman quality to Catherine and Sebastian obviously as well. Catherine references that when she needs strength that she turns to God. And she's got that cross around her neck. So we know what she ends up actually talking about because it's a cross filled with cocaine. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of the best touches in this movie. I know. It's wild. It's a little bit of a Laura Palmer thing going on with her. A little bit. She's the stepsister of Sebastian. I think Laura Palmer is pure at heart, though. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. But if Laura Palmer had been rich, you know. Well, Laura Palmer was doing like Meals on Wheels and she was also like tutoring that handicapped kid all right but did have a little bit of a coke problem yeah she had a wild side yeah Catherine's pure evil though (laughs) (laughs) Catherine promises mrs caldwell that she will look out for the naive cecile though mrs caldwell clearly not a fan of sebastian who enters the room i love when he yells in her ear nice to see you again mrs caldwell just an ass Mrs. Caldwell references some incident with the school nurse. We don't know what that is. It's sort of like Say by the Bell, where they're just like throwing out these old events, yeah. and you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Cecile is so strange and naive and downright weird that you almost start to question if there's something wrong with it her. It does feel like she's got a problem. She opens her legs in a very unladylike way when she's wearing a skirt, and you can see her underwear. I think unladylike is how you could mostly describe her actions. But that could also be like a punk or like somebody who's, you know. Yeah. She seems like she doesn't know. Yeah. She's just like childlike. I know, which is weird that she's kind of brought up in this, you know. uh, Proper society. Right. Trying to find the right words. Thank you. The weird thing is Selma Blair was actually older than Philippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar. And she's playing this young, naive weirdo. But she doesn't look young. So sometimes you could be like, well, this girl was cast as the older sister but she's actually the younger of the two actresses or something like Uh that in this situation she looks old (laughs) and she is older right and yet she's playing this character (laughs) it's very strange Uh, yeah after the caldwells leave we get the reveal of the cocaine cross (laughs) just some life really i just can't imagine i know people have drug problems but it's just it's the middle of the day well, their parents are nowhere to be found. Yeah. There definitely is like a Bready Sinellis, less than zero, oh, yeah. rules of attraction type vibe to these characters. But that's, again, I mean, I, I probably hit on this a few times as we go through this, but that's why with the Sebastian thing, it does just feel like these are depraved sociopaths. Yeah, but maybe he's not. <laughs> <laughs> what Cruel Intentions presupposes is. <laughs> yeah, what his relationship with Annette presupposes is maybe he's not. Yeah. 
Catherine tells Sebastian that she intends to use Cecile to take revenge on her ex-lover, Court Reynolds, who is played by Charlie O'Connell in a brief appearance. I guess we only see him that one little moment. Oh, yeah. Who went cherry chasing and dumped Catherine for Cecile. Catherine wants Sebastian to seduce Cecile, thereby spoiling her in Court's eyes. They don't get that that into the Court relationship, but it, I guess it's sort of out there that he actually knows what Catherine's really like. And, like, not really a lot of people do. I, I think anybody who <laughs> spends a certain amount of time with her, yeah. who's even a little bit perceptive, could start to pick up on it. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't even really hide it that much. It's just that Cecile, who sh- she shares a lot of scenes with, is a total idiot. Yeah, that's the thing. How much are you buying that Court is dumping Catherine to chase Cecile? I can't. It's hard for me to picture that. Getting away from Catherine, who seems insane, okay. Well, I think that Cord is not supposed to be a good guy either, and yeah. he's he's interested in virgins. Okay, it's like kids. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> there is a lot of fixation on female virginity in this film. That's just like a big part of it. I'm just gonna let that multiple lay there. characters. Yeah. yeah, let me let that sit and marinate. <laughs> <laughs> However, Sebastian is more interested in seducing Annette Hargrove, played by Reese Witherspoon, the new. Headmaster's virgin daughter, who recently published an essay in support of chastity until marriage. So that's how they know she's a virgin. She's posting articles in a teen magazine. I got to tell you, if you just watch this one time, figuring out what exactly the bet is here is kind of confusing. Yeah, because they throw all this Cecile stuff at you, and then they completely turn off of that. For a girl who wrote an article in a magazine who's going to come to their school. Yeah. You have to. <laughs> you do have to pay attention. I think that... The first time you maybe see this movie, it's a little bit convoluted at first because then things get back interconnected later. Yeah, and even at a certain point, you're like, well, isn't the bet over then? <laughs> like the whole Cecile thing. Well, it has nothing to do with Cecile. Well, yeah. The bet. Right. <laughs> the bet ultimately has nothing to do with Cecile. That's true. Initially, Catherine's pitch is about Cecile. Yeah, she wants him to diverginize, if that's a word, Cecile. And he says, no, get one of your idiot friends to do it. Right. I'm not interested. He thinks it's too easy, and it ultimately is easy in the end. (laughs) Sebastian knows. As I mentioned earlier, Jennifer Love Hewitt on the cover of that magazine. Little I Know What You Did Last Summer reunion. (laughs) Ryan Phillippe, like, desperate to choke her. (laughs) Shut the fuck up, Julie! (laughs) It's just so insane in that movie. Annette is staying with Sebastian's aunt while her parents sell the house back in Kansas. Meanwhile, the step-siblings are constantly touching each other. There's a strong sexual vibe with Catherine and Sebastian, and they're also making it clear to us, the viewers, that they have this obsession with their reputations. It's weird. I think you have to take it that she's stringing him along on this, the willpower of these high schoolers, if they were really wanting to go for it. she's like an ice queen. Yeah, yeah. I think. It is funny that it's just out there that he's been obsessed with wanting to get this done (laughs) with her. (laughs) That's just like a known thing. Well, if your dad married Sarah Michelle Gellar's mom and she was this character and you were that age. Oh, yeah. I mean, wouldn't you be obsessed with it, too? I never stopped thinking about it. Yeah, well, what is it with Clueless and now this? A lot of step-sibling sexual tension. That was just the 90s. We were still kind of getting used to, like, the high divorce rate, you know? Yeah. After some negotiation, they agree on a wager. If Sebastian fails to seduce Annette, 
Catherine gets Sebastian's vintage Jaguar, the aforementioned pretentious car. This is just to get at him. Obviously, she has no use for this car. If he succeeds, Catherine will have sex with him, and she essentially offers anal. (laughs) As Catherine is the one girl Sebastian has failed to fuck. She says, and you can put it anywhere you want, and like turns her butt like towards him. Yeah, there's an implication there as to what that means. <laughs> and for like anyone in the audience that had no idea what this movie was about is all of a sudden like, all right, I'm in. Buffy is just offering her butt. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck? This is the premise of the movie. I'm a thousand percent in. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm in. I get, I get it. I get this movie's vibe. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with it. The premise of the movie is basically if he can manipulate and deflower some poor staunch virgin who has a boyfriend right and has aspirations of doing like positive things in life (laughs) if he can do so successfully he'll be able to have anal sex with his stepsister (laughs) he'll be able to butt fuck his stepsister (laughs) that's your movie folks i love when the promise of anal sex is a plot point in a movie Yeah, the rarely utilized plot point. I think the first Kingsman movie when that oh, chick's right. like, "If you yeah. save the world, you can fuck me in the ass." They Which brought is it one back. Of the wildest thing yeah. ever. Somebody saw Cruel Intentions and they were like, "They're onto something here." Matthew Vaughn was like, "We gotta go for this." Sebastian's aunt Helen is played by Louise Fletcher of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest fame. Okay, although she ends up not really being in the picture all that much. Aunt Helen! Sweet pea! God, I've missed you! <laughs> I've been looking all over for you! I missed you too. I want you to meet Annette. Annette Hargrove, this is Sebastian. Well, well. Hello. She'll be staying with me for a few weeks. I guess that makes two of us. Welcome. Thank you. Aunt Helen? Mm-hmm? Why don't you head in and whip us up some of that iced tea of yours? I'll tend to Annette. All right. You two don't get into any trouble. We won't. Come on. Quickly. Lots to see. I read your manifesto. You did? Mm-hmm. I must say, I found it rather appalling. That's a first. Most people praise me for it. Most people are sheep. Who are you to criticize something you've never experienced? I wasn't criticizing anything. Just my belief that people shouldn't experience the act of love until they are in love. And I just don't think people our age are mature enough to experience those kind of emotions. Are you a lesbian? No. I didn't mean to offend you. I just picked up on a little bit of that lesbian vibe. Look, I wouldn't expect a man of your experience to understand my beliefs. (sighs) What's that supposed to mean? been very well informed of your reputation. What have you heard? Did you promise girls the world to get them in bed with you? Who told you this? A friend wrote me. That's a little tacky. Why do you sound so surprised? It's the truth, isn't it? If you say so. Sebastian heads over there in his first encounter with Annette. Doesn't go great. He accuses her of having lesbian vibes. (laughs) 
Although I think he's just trying to put her down. It's, yeah, this is a move. That's his move. Is yeah. a lot of negging. He right. continues that up until the bitter end. Oh yeah, that's one of his things. <laughs> just being a dick, and it works. Yeah. God damn it. Annette already knows of Sebastian's reputation, and this infuriates him because it adds a, an unexpected obstacle to his conquest. The fact that she's already been warned off of him. Oh yeah, because somebody wrote a letter. Yeah, a lot of letter writing in this movie. Right. Which obviously that is like a nod to the source material because it just seems weird that this many people would be writing each other letters. Well, how else would they communicate? Verbally would be fine. Well, yeah, but she was in Kansas, I think. When she Telephones exist. Letter. She has a relationship with Mrs. Caldwell. <laughs> I think letters were common in the 90s still. Yeah, that's true. I I did that thing where like you could write letters to like your favorite famous athletes. Uh-huh. They would put out books where you could, if right. you went, yeah, wrote one to Shaq. Can't remember who else, but. Yeah, I used to like send hockey cards to people to sign and they would come back sign. I mean, who knows? Oh, right, who right. Yes. That's that. Yeah. Sometimes I got responses on some of these things. <laughs> Speaking of manipulation in the 90s, <laughs> a lot of kids being faked out. Sean Patrick Thomas is introduced as Ronald Clifford. He's Cecile's yeah. music teacher. I mean, he's part of this crew, too. That whole scene of teen movies. Save the Last Dance. That's right. A movie I saw in the theater opening night. Wow. Yeah. With Julia Stiles. That was also a big hit with the girls I went to middle school with. Yeah, I was in high school, but yeah. <laughs> I do like when he's talking about writing his first opera based on the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, and <laughs> Cecile's like, Dr. King is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine rolls her eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joshua Jackson popping up as Blaine. He is a gay drug dealer and Sebastian's right. confidant. Yeah, Pacey, or uh, some of us know him better, Charlie from the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Sebastian believes that Greg, who is also from Kansas, is the one who warned Annette about him. I love these New York City-based, <laughs> this area, and they know these people from Kansas. Well, I think Manchester Prep is that prestigious that people, people from come. all over yeah. the country who are rich end up there. Since Greg is closeted and fools around with Blaine, Sebastian's plan is to catch him in a compromising position and then blackmail him because he's so pissed that someone talked to Annette about him being a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like you said, it's reputation. This has got to be out there. Meanwhile, Catherine is spending more time with Cecile. Cecile is unaware of Catherine's history with court, and they talk about court dumping a, quote, bulimic head case over 4th of July. <laughs> One of the quietly best parts in the movie. <laughs> and she's really talking about Catherine, but has no idea, and Catherine's so mad. Yeah. <laughs> but Cecile is completely unpracticed in the ways of love and courtship, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. And so Catherine takes it upon herself to teach Cecile how to kiss how to get to first base. And this is one of the iconic moments of the film where Selma Blair and Sarah Michelle Gellar kiss. They have a lot of saliva. Oh, yeah. So rumor has it that you went on a date with Court Reynolds. I hear he's very nice. He's all right. He kept talking about this bulimic head case he dumped over the 4th of July. Really? Bulimic head case? Yeah. What a loser she must Sorry. Anywho, Quartz invited me to the Hamptons for Labor Day weekend. That's great. 
think so. I don't know. I guess I'm just scared. Of what? Duh, boys. Never even gone to first base with a guy. Haven't you ever practiced on one of your girlfriends? Ew, no. It's gross. Well, it's not gross. How else do you think girls learn? Okay, face me. Now, close your eyes and wet your lips. Are you for real? You want to learn or not? I guess. wasn't so scary. It was nothing. Okay, let's try it again. Only this time, I'm gonna stick my tongue in your mouth. And when I do that, I want you to massage my tongue with yours. And that's what first base is. Okay. Eyes closed. It was a very formative scene for me years after this movie came out. <laughs> no, not really. But it was just big news. Even though I hadn't seen the movie, I saw the scene. It was at the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah, it was a big deal. I think back then it was much more of a purient, horny thing. And now it would probably be more celebrated as pushing queer boundaries or something to that effect. Yeah, there just wasn't I, a lot of this going on. Well, I'm totally in support of that. I, I don't think that was their motives in... 98 no it was definitely supposed to be sexy although i think that the whole idea of pushing boundaries would be that you know maybe girls are finding it sexy too in 98 i don't know why you wouldn't the thought process was like oh well guys will think that this is sexy to have this scene in there right sort of recreated in jennifer's body with megan fox and amanda seyfried also an important scene the big issue that i have with this scene is the music choice it stinks. Yeah. What is going on with the music in this scene? It's almost as if they don't understand how big of a deal the scene is. <laughs> like, they're just ruining it with this music. And then you watch Not Another Teen Movie, which is great and I hilarious do. and will probably reference multiple times <laughs> because they parody this movie a lot in it. Well, the best thing about that is, like, kind of just seems like they're just doing the scenes. A little bit. <laughs> like, it's a little heightened. I, they for say, sure. For they sure. take it's it parody. a little farther. Right. I know. But the music choice is Spandau Ballet, true, and it's great. And there's also other great musical choices they could have made that not another teen movie made. And then this generic, like... Yeah. And the soundtrack of this movie is pretty good. They missed... It's nominated for Choice Soundtrack at the Teen Choice Awards. They dropped the ball with this scene. You pointed it out to me 100% right. But I do love the actress's commitment to the scene. Absolutely. It's great. They're true artists. Cecile reveals that there is a little bit of a potential blossoming romance between her and Ronald, that Ronald has written her these love letters, and it's this big secret because her mother would not have approve of this interracial relationship, and she confides in Catherine, which of course is a mistake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sebastian returns to his aunt's 
ludicrous estate. <laughs> I mean, it is like, what it, do people live here? Oh, I know. It's like a museum. To renew his pursuit of Annette, his charm turned all the way up. He invites her for a midnight swim in this indoor pool. Oh, my God. When she first walks into the pool and he's like listening to opera music. Yeah. What a show. <laughs> what a show. Oh, come on. We should point out that in real life, Ryan Philippe and Reese Witherspoon were already dating by this point, and that shortly after this film, they would get married and she would be pregnant with their first kid. Oh, wow. They would be married for a while. Absolutely, yeah. And I think Ryan Philippe had agreed to do this film, and it was him and Roger Cumble, the director, taking Reese out to dinner and basically getting her drunk and like begging her to do this movie. Oh, wow. And she was just like, all right, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Because she wasn't even going to have to film as many days as like a lot of the other people. Although she is in the movie more than you would think. Definitely. But yeah, I think it's a great part for her and it helped build her career more. I don't she know what well. else she was doing in fucking 99. Once you do Fear, uh, to me, you're good for like the next 10 years. Election, was that the same year or was that 98? Uh, oh yeah, it would have been right around there. Yeah. Reese was on top of the world and as far as I'm concerned, I think she's always is. been there, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Reese fan. I think I'm okay on Reese. You okay. know. Yeah. She could probably use a few more like grittier parts in there. I think so. You know what quietly she's great at in a in a small role is inherent vice. <laughs> she's so good in inherent vice. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but you can see that Annette is slowly warming to Sebastian. And then she goes to put her bathing suit on, she comes back and he's just standing there nude. Yeah, this is Which a is move. a bold move. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting. I know Ryan Phillippe's an attractive man, but yeah, you know, I'm showing off my bod. We barely like know each other. I think she would be more off put by this. He brings up the bad mouthing letter again, and she's still not willing to reveal who told her about him. Ultimately, the only thing it would serve is another person for him to get revenge on. Yes, I mean that's it. Why else does he want to know? He ends up striking out again. It's essentially all a big game, and you're like, oh, well, poor Trevor, her boyfriend, off backpacking. Think, thinking everything's fine back home. Because she's resisting and putting up this front, and she's getting angrily out of the pool and everything. But we saw her put the perfume on before she Absolutely. went back. Like We yeah. know that he's making progress. Well, she did not need to go for a swim. No. She totally could have just gone back to her room and been good for the night. Sebastian moves forward with the blackmail plan for Greg but soon realizes it's probably not him doing the bad-mouthing to Annette. Right. So Sebastian puts Greg to use in a different way, capitalizing on his friendship with Annette so that he can praise Sebastian nonstop to hey, her. go talk about how cool I am and how, how much of a great guy I am. It's kind of up, man. Like, I think people know the deal here. Yeah, just really build me up as some sort of great guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, she only got this letter... And obviously, we know who sent the letter from, right. like, a woman who's That's true. not and, at the school. And she hasn't been to school yet. Her dad is the new headmaster yeah. at the school. So, I think it's possible that if a they trusted could... person from Kansas <laughs> puts Sebastian <laughs> over, that she'll go for it. There could be a clean slate here. Greg also gets Annette to reveal that it was actually Mrs. Caldwell, Cecile's mother, who warned Annette about Sebastian. <laughs> Sebastian's just fuming. Upon learning this, Sebastian finally agrees to corrupt Cecile out of revenge, which is what Catherine wanted all along. This is sort of his move to go after the daughters of women who slight him. 
Yeah, I think that this is where it gets kind of confusing, especially when you're thinking about the film in your memory. Right. Because you start out and Cecile is introduced before you even know about Annette. And so you think that the bet has something to do with Cecile. And then Cecile gets connected in because he's like, all right, well, now I'm going to agree to what Catherine wanted in the first place, but I'm only doing it out of revenge against Mrs. Caldwell. And you kind of lose sight of what Catherine's whole plan is with Cecile. Originally, she wants Sebastian to take her virginity or whatever, but then when it happens, it's kind of just like an afterthought. It doesn't really seem like that big of a deal anymore. Yeah, I think they sort of back away from that just because Court ends up not really being a presence right. in the film anyway. That's and right. that's who you are told the revenge is against. So it ends up not meaning anything to you because you're like, well, it's against a character we don't even know. True. Yeah. That's how your mind sort of starts gravitating towards the stuff that you do know, which that's is right. the bet with Annette. And yeah. And things are uh, heating up on that front. It is strange when he comes back to the house and Catherine is watching a video of Cecile and Ronald talking. And I'm like, what is the origin of this video? So she set up like a secret camera somewhere yeah. to film this. We have no real knowledge about this. It's just something she's watching. I wanted to talk about something in the pool scene because I just think it's one of the odder Sebastian moments when he buys her a bag or a purse or whatever. Right. And he's he has these sort of weird emo like meltdowns. He gives it to her. She looks at it for like a second. And he's like, it stinks, you hate it. <laughs> yeah, he's doing that because it's all part of his deception. I, I know, to but act like that. Like it's like so, a baby? Yeah. <laughs> that's what chicks like. <laughs> no, to act like his feelings are hurt. I know, but so it's that just... she'll have to repair. It's it's all like putting like little bait out so she'll like she'll take a step right. forward, then be like, No, no, no. And then you yank that bait. <laughs> as soon as she grabs that bait, you yank it in. <laughs> I know. He's, he's a... just a master. He's got it all down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's stuff that you think is so lame, but you have to remember they're in high school. Right. So you're thinking of maybe Reese Witherspoon from like Big Little Lies, but she's like an idiot. She's in high school. <laughs> she's a virgin. She doesn't know anything. Sure. The manipulation is not that hard for her okay. or for any of these people. Uh, really. Yeah. Well, that is clear. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is pretty easily manipulated, Meanwhile, on the including video- Sebastian. Meanwhile, on the video that Catherine is watching, Cecile is wearing like a schoolgirl skirt and doing a handstand right <laughs> in Ronald's face. And you're like, what is happening? I know. Is she that oblivious? How can she be? How can she be that oblivious? Like That's she, almost infuriating that she would be that dumb and naive in this situation. Yeah. Did no one ever tell her, like, give her a sex talk? Right. Like, what is happening yeah. here? And then they're about to kiss and then they have to leave and she does that, like, peace out oh, thing. Yeah. And Catherine is like, <laughs> moron. Right. I don't know where this video came from. It doesn't really factor into anything that she's videotaping them, but it is funny that it exists. Then there's like a huge cock tease moment between Catherine and Sebastian where she's sitting on him and like rubbing up against him and like he's got his hands right beneath her breasts and everything. Like, <laughs> like hot under the happening? collar. Yeah. Humana, humana, humana. Okay, what's wrong with you? Are you ready for this? I've recently discovered that our good friend Mrs. Caldwell is the one who sent the letter to Annette urging her to stay away from me. Interesting. Yes, it is. I now plan to devote all my energies to destroying the douchebag. Ah, but the plot thickens. It appears that Cecile has fallen for her music teacher. I'm sure Mrs. Caldwell will love that. Unfortunately, our Don Juan is moving with the speed of a Special Olympic hurdler. What's your plan of attack? 
I rat Cecile out to mommy. Mommy goes ballistic and ends the relationship. Boo-hoo. But who will they turn to for help? Cecile is planning on uh, going away with court next week. I'll need you to speed up her sexual awakening. I'm at your service. Thank you. Oh, that feels good. Oh, sis, you're so tense. I know. I hate it when things don't go my way. It makes me so horny. I hate it too. Seems like things are looking up for you. It appears so. Any luck with your girl? Moving along quite well. Have you succeeded in your death? Any day now. Well, let me know when you do. Until then. Down boy. Oh, come on. Later he calls Annette and He's like, did I leave my glasses there? <laughs> She's like, no. And then he's like, oh, okay. He's wearing them, by the way. The yeah. audience can see. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, I'll talk to you later. And she's like, wait, is that really what you called? <laughs> this is the master at work. Yeah, and he's like, just no. get in her head. Yeah, th- but then he'll admit, like, no, you caught me. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he gives no. her those small little victories so that she thinks that she's accomplishing something. That's how it's done. He sets up these little situations for her to win something. Right. But she's not winning anything. Yeah. But she thinks that she's peeling back his real layers, but he's just setting up things that she'll accomplish easily. But then again, maybe she is. Yeah. And when does that actually switch? When she starts making those weird faces. Absolutely. In the car. I wrote that down <laughs> and I'm like, how is this the thing that melts his icy heart? <laughs> because These stupid faces she's Because she's just such a dork. It's not funny. It. <laughs> I'm not into it. Now that Sebastian is on board for her plan, Catherine reveals the potential romance between Cecile and Ronald to Mrs. Caldwell, a racist. Oh, yeah. I actually love the part when he gets fired, that whole sequence. Who the hell do you think you are? Excuse me? I'm paying you to give cello lessons, not to pervert my child. Mrs. Caldwell, I I think you're misunderstanding something. You can't explain this, then? Where did you find those? Margarita found them while she was cleaning. Now you go to your room. Now. Mom! Now! (laughs) How dare you treat me with such disrespect? I got you off the streets, and this is how you repay me? Got me off the streets? I, I live at 59th and Park. 
Whatever. Now, you are never to set foot in this house again. And you are never, and I mean never, to see my daughter again. Is that understood? First of all, I never touched your daughter. And second, I would like to think that in these times, someone of your stature could look beyond racial lines. Oh, don't give me any of that racist crap. My husband and I gave money to Colin Powell. I guess that puts me in my place. Thank you for your hospitality, Mrs. Caldwell. It was a true awakening. She immediately puts a stop to it all, barring Ronald from her home. When she's like, I pulled you off the streets. And he's like, got me up. 59th (laughs) Park. Just like some rich dude. Don't you dare pull that racist crap with me. My husband and I donated to Colin Powell. (laughs) (laughs) That part is funny. But oh wait, a fortuitous coincidence. Catherine and Sebastian are there to intercept Ronald and get involved, giving Ronald a secret letter from Cecile. Unclear if Cecile actually wrote this letter. I'm leaning towards no, but it's hard to tell exactly what's happening sometimes. Well, did Mrs. Caldwell actually write the letter? There were times where I'm like, did Catherine plant the seed with Annette, really, because she doesn't want Sebastian to win this thing? Is that a possibility, or it doesn't work with the She didn't the even know about Annette, though. Okay, at the time of the letter. Yeah, it's, that seems unlikely. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's probably a reach, but... Yeah, I don't think that she had any idea who Annette even was. Plus, it's like always unclear to me what level Catherine actually kind of wants Sebastian to win the bet. (laughs) Is that at all there? Or I can't tell. She wants her brother to take her to Pound Town. (laughs) Ronald's like, oh, maybe I'll just just email her. And Sebastian's like, email is for geeks and pedophiles. One of my favorite lines. Dead on. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I think like in 2007, probably people were like, oh my God, that line ages terribly from 1999. But in 2022, I agree with it. <laughs> it's 100% <laughs> real. Yeah. Email is for geeks and pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I think we should circle back and explain the situation. So essentially what is happening is that Catherine wants to use Cecile and through her ruination destroy Court, who we barely know, and that is separate essentially from Sebastian's pursuit of Annette, which has prompted a side bet, uh-huh. Jaguar for buttfuck yeah. with my stepsister. <laughs> right. But through the treachery of Catherine, the lines that separate these two separate plot points start to blur. Right. And you realize that she's just having fun manipulating people for manipulation's sake. Really just fucking with people. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like she actually has an end game. If she has to fuck her brother, she would not really... Well, stepbrother, she would not really care. Like, if she lost the bet, she doesn't care. If she wins the bet, she doesn't care. Well, she's certainly egging him on. Rolling on top of him. I, it's like, okay. Before we go through with this, I just want to make you aware of the damage we're about to cause. I'm aware. We're destroying an innocent girl. You do realize that. Court Reynolds is going down, and if you won't help me, somebody else will. You amaze me. Eat me, Sebastian. It's all right for guys like you in court to fuck everyone, but when I do it, I get dumped for innocent little twits like Cecile. God forbid I exude confidence and enjoy sex. 
Do you think I relish the fact that I have to act like Mary Sunshine 24-7 so I can be considered a lady? I'm the Marsha fucking Brady of the Upper East Side and sometimes I want to kill myself. So there's your psychoanalysis, Dr. Freud. Now tell me, are you in or are you out? Sebastian lures Cecile to his house, offering a letter from Ronald. He then gets her drunk and blackmails her in order to trick her into allowing him to perform oral sex on her. How I, When she's <laughs> drinking the tea and he says it's Long Island style or yeah. whatever. Listen, I, I've gotten that she's dumb. That has been conveyed to me. But like, if you've never drank alcohol before. This is almost recreated verbatim in... Cruel Intentions too. You would the be Long Island iced tea like thing. gagging. You would just not be able to like stomach this if if you've never drank alcohol and you're just being given like a Long Island iced tea. I don't know. I think so. I think they taste pretty good. Okay, if done right. <laughs> I guess yeah. Sebastian's probably a master cocktail maker. <laughs> he knows how to sweeten it up enough. Yeah. But this is the moment where okay, so they've taken things to the next levels. It almost feels like. Not only is he getting her drunk and taking advantage of her that way, but it feels like he's taking advantage of someone who's like mentally disabled. It does feel that way. It is uncomfortable. Yeah. She is so childlike and weird that you're thinking, okay, she doesn't even understand what sex is. Now he's eating her pussy. And <laughs> like, no, what the fuck is going on? And it's like on? such a cold start to the act. Just going right for it. Yeah. He's no, like, I'm going to call your mom. No and kissing. She's like, well, don't call my mom. She doesn't know where I am. She's like literally on her knees, like begging him not to do it as if like she's a little kid or something. And then he's like, all right, well, I won't, but you have to do what I want you to do. And she's like, well, what do you want me to do? And he's like, I just want to kiss. And she's like, okay. And she starts to like pucker her lips and he's like, not there. (laughs) Yeah. This play is so weird. Not that the whole, I want to have anal sex with my stepsister thing isn't weird, but because they're both. That is not weird in my opinion at all. It would be weird if he didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) But this is definitely, like, really kind of uncomfortable just because she just seems so... Naive. Right. Like, she has no idea what's going on. Yeah. But this is what they can't shy away from if they do bring Cruel Intentions back. (laughs) That's what I mean. This is where it's all at. You want people to be actually shocking and get reactions. Well, that might be one of the reasons it's not coming back. No, it is, but they're just not going to do shit like this. While Sebastian and Annette spend time together, and the line between reality and illusion starts to blur as far as Sebastian's real feelings are concerned, Cecile, meanwhile, confides in Catherine as to what happened between her and Sebastian. Catherine takes the news in stride, informs Cecile she had her first orgasm, because Cecile didn't even understand what had happened to her. Again, very questionable. To your point, no sex talk ever, no health class attended. Well, in health class, were they talking about orgasms? I think there was an, at least an illusion that there was an end to the act, that something happened. For the girl, though? <laughs> <laughs> the health teacher didn't even know. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the health teacher's like, the female orgasm think... is a myth. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is shocking. I don't think the female orgasm was covered in my health class. I don't think that was brought up. Well, I don't know. Not in graphic detail, but... <laughs> Oh, who's to say? (laughs) Who knows? I can't remember. She then advises Cecile to be as promiscuous as possible to learn how to please Ronald. Sebastian later fucks Cecile, who is conspicuously eating cherries after the fact. 
Although I will say, she all of a sudden doesn't seem as naive and innocent anymore. Yeah, when she gets that dick in her, she wants that dick in her even more. Yeah. <laughs> it's like flipping a switch. <laughs> I will say these step-siblings love tossing Cecile on the floor. They both Dude, do it at various points. He throws her off that bed so hard. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's violent. <laughs> she loves it. Yeah, she's right back. <laughs> but I totally get it, because he's like... You know, Cecile, this is what I like to refer to as quiet time, which is very important. <laughs> Did you hear that, folks? Matt, relating to hitting a girl. Well, shove. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. The pressure is starting to get to Sebastian when Catherine says, mind if I take my new car for a ride, taunting him. He says, Catherine, the only thing you're going to be riding is me. <laughs> <laughs> Just dynamite back and forth between these two. Yeah, she's teasing him, taunting him, because he's taking much longer than expected to get the job done with Annette. Imagine this is your high school life. Yeah, like l- not way f- more fun. Me, like, sitting in my basement downloading, like, emo music. <laughs> <laughs> That's what high school was for me. Not this. Sneaking a look at, like, Sable from WWF <laughs> Nude. or like, Waiting Pamela for it Anderson. to download. <laughs> but it's clear that something's actually changed with Sebastian over time. Sebastian has truly fallen for Annette, who reluctantly admits that she returns his feelings, but remains hesitant. She says that she doesn't trust herself with Sebastian, meaning she wants to love him, but doesn't trust herself as to what she would do. He pulls another great move with the threatening to leave. And he's like, I just came to say goodbye. I'm going to go backpacking (laughs) through France. That move... You I mean, seem to be into God. it, yeah. That or getting your friends to circulate that you're going to die soon or something. You know, just a, something uh, to like push the narrative. I don't know what it is. Tales old as time, 100% works, leaving town for the rest of your life. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're the hottest commodity in town. Things are changing. Yeah, <laughs> People are panicking. Interested. Sebastian calls her a hypocrite because although she claims to be waiting for her one true love, she resists him when he chooses to love her back. He says, have a nice life. (laughs) This, of course, works. (laughs) Annette relents. It's going to happen. She's going to have sex with him. But now Sebastian is confused about his own feelings, and he refuses her. And now we've reached the point where I'm like, this seems hard to buy. He's a real person, maybe, underneath. And this is something that they try to retcon in Cruel Intentions, too, where he seems like more of a normal person who gets sucked up into this life with Catherine. Right. Well, I need that backstory because I'm not seeing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the shit that he pulled with Tara Reid at the beginning is so cold and mean for almost no reason. Well, even like the fact that he's engaging in sexual encounters with Cecile while supposedly like oh, that's just falling in love with Annette. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. We should point out that he has this goddamn journal. Which, by the way, Catherine does make fun of him for at one point, and... Rightfully so, I'd say. But she is obsessed with it. She wants to know what's in it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the burn book from Mean Girls, also combined with like a book of ass conquests. Right. Once <laughs> you finally get a look at everything that's in there, it is pretty great. It is strange that a guy wrote this, but okay. It was an art project. I know. It does have sort of like a scrapbooking feel to it. Oh, yeah. Catherine is the one that breaks the news 
to Sebastian, Annette has quit the scene, running off to the estate of her friend's parents. There was a couple things that I'd written down for this episode, and one of them was a line that Sebastian says in that scene with Annette in the build-up. Where he just says, You're a hypocrite, and I don't associate with hypocrites. (laughs) (laughs) Such a sick burn. After calling Greg, Sebastian finds Annette... I, I don't know if this is supposed to be Penn Station or what, but there's escalator. that escalator scene Dude. where he's waiting at the top. So in middle school, <laughs> oh God, when this movie came out, I didn't see it, but I alluded to some girls from class who saw the movie and talked about it. Not ashamed to admit, the first time that I ever heard the song Colorblind by Counting Crows was because these girls told me about it. That was, and I knew it as the movie. I love or that, as the the I love song that from Cruel Intentions. You think that. The first time you heard Colorblind by Counting Crows is like a noteworthy moment of your life. Like, who cares? Oh, man. Wow. (laughs) The Counting Crows had two good albums. They were both before this album. (laughs) No way. Colorblind is good. (laughs) Oof. This is like one of those moments where you realize, like, your co-host stinks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's you. By this point, Counting Crows were playing like town fairs and stuff. Okay, well, I'll say this: I had never heard the Counting Crows at all until Long they December? told me about this song. You know, I had Mr. Heard Jones. It. I may have here? I may have heard Mr. Jones, but didn't know it was them or anything. Well, this is just a product of you being younger than me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. By '99, I, I felt like you were into like Godsmack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool music. <laughs> I was trying to get tickets to Woodstock '99. <laughs> But I think this is a great needle drop moment. Yeah, when I was watching this now, I had to like look up who the song was by. It's it's emotional. I man. thought it was Counting Crows, it's but I heavy. was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, okay. This yeah, is... poor Adam Duritz. He only dated Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. Wow. Yeah, what a life. So sad for yeah, him really. in the 90s. But it is insane. You got to remember, no cell phones or anything. The biggest fucking city. <laughs> just finds her based on what Greg said. <laughs> like standing at the top of an escalator that probably has like hundreds of people getting off of it in like a 10 minute window. Sebastian professes his love for her and then they fuck. <laughs> he discovers that Catherine is now fucking Ronald to just to further complicate things. Yeah. Where he's like hiding in that drawer under her bed. <laughs> Catherine offers herself to Sebastian after he wins the bet. But he rejects her because now he only wants Annette. <laughs> this, of course, enrages Catherine. Right. She's just like rubbing her ass on his face. <laughs> like, are you sure? Yeah, are I know. you sure? It's bizarre. I don't know. Does she actually get jealous of Annette or is it just the rejection that pisses her off? Yeah, I think the rejection pisses her off. Yeah. I don't know that she's like necessarily jealous of Annette. I don't Although, know. I feel like it, it carries out over into when he's on the phone with her, with Annette, and he's like, I love you too. I love you too. My God, you're pussy whipped. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that there is something to the fact that she thinks that she's the end all be all for him. Right. And then when she's not, it does annoy her. Yeah. Oh, this other girl now has pushed me aside and he doesn't care anymore about fucking me. (laughs) It's stepsister. (laughs) Yeah, I do think there's something to that. Does that mean that she like loves him? Clearly not. She doesn't give a fuck when he dies. (laughs) What? Like the least emotional response ever. <laughs> so no, well, I don't she think was she so loves him. Coked out of her mind, it's hard to feel anything. Well, that's her whole life. Right. That's her lifestyle. 
of the two, she's truly a sociopath and does not care what anyone thinks. Well, that's the point they're trying to make, at least. There's still an argument. I think he was living that life right. and he couldn't hang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't hang with the he queen. He was striving to be a, a manipulator at her level, but just couldn't hack it. Yeah, he fell in love with some hayseed from Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to tell Annette the truth, and Catherine warns him that doing so will destroy both his and Annette's reputations, which of course means everything to these psychos. Although I, I'm really not all that clear on the logic as to why. Sebastian's a I cool guess he's dude. afraid that if he stays involved with her, I don't know. I do think that he panics and he's like, okay, well, I got to end it with her because I don't want to drag her down, maybe. Yeah. Because well, he that does makes like, sense. he's fucking brutal to her, but he doesn't tell her the truth. He's almost like, I need to make sure that it's over, but I, I'm still embarrassed and of that, what the truth is. That whole part absolutely makes sense to me as to like why he breaks it off with her. Catherine makes some good points. Of, Look, you have this horrible history. I mean, this is all. Yeah, do you think that her dad's really going right. to go for this? Which that part all makes sense. But the whole thing about his reputation being ruined, I'm like. Well, now he's like this pussy whip dork <laughs> instead of like this because coxman yeah. <laughs> who ruins lives. Okay. <laughs> he's cultivated a personality of a guy who fucks like unrepentantly. Yeah. And does whatever he wants. And now he's just like this little nerd with the headmaster's daughter. Okay. You know. Yeah, I know. But like in high school, it's like if. You get a look at like the girl, and it, like all the other dudes would just be like, "Oh, well, he's lucky because he gets to fuck her, or whatever." Right. I don't know people. Yeah, I don't know. We weren't in that world. We don't but understand sure. it. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, but I would just look at the world that I do know, which is like just paying attention to Hollywood and celebrities, I and mean, even the great coxman of Hollywood settle down with a girlfriend every once in a while. It doesn't ruin their reputation. It might be like who it is. Okay. As part of it. I guess I that know. sometimes does happen. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it ruins a reputation. Yeah. Sometimes it gives them a reputation. That's true, yeah. Sebastian lies to Annette, claiming he just wanted to see what she was like in bed and that he has no real feelings for her. He delivers this news shaking and crying, so it's the least convincing <laughs> I know. delivery of all time. She's just like, what are you talking about? There's something I have to tell you. Tell me. This isn't working out for me anymore. Yeah, me neither. What's wrong? It's not you, it's me. I'm completely fucked up. What do you say? I thought I was in love with you, but it was just a lie. I wanted it to work, but unfortunately, I feel nothing. Why are you doing this? I just wanted to see what you were like in bed. No, you don't mean that. You know nothing. You don't even know me. The fact of the matter is, there is someone I love. You don't even compare to her. I don't know how to make this any clearer to you. You mean nothing to me. You were just... You, you were just a conquest. You're such a coward. Look at yourself. You're shaking. Is that what you came to tell me? I'm sorry. I'm completely... Yeah, you're completely fucked up. 
me! Don't touch me! Don't fucking touch me, Sebastian! Don't! Devastated, Annette tells him to leave. I don't think she really believes him, but what else I are you going to say? I think she doesn't know what to do. He's yeah, saying these horrible say? things, and he won't come off of it. Catherine pulling just a straight-up Sue Ellen Mischke from Seinfeld move here where she's wearing a bra as a top, <laughs> like with that see-through shirt. Right. It's like just a bra, basically. Yeah, it's a bold move, but I like it. Sebastian tells Catherine that he's broken it off with Annette, and now... Once in that ass, since he won the bet. Although, However, does he? Well, I, I think I, he, he wants to, because what else? It, this is like, he's trying to get himself back on track. Yeah. Yeah. However, Catherine reveals that he, and not Annette, was the true victim of her scheme. Which seems like she just which, made that up on the drive home. Yeah, which was <laughs> just for her own amusement, I guess. Yeah. And then she tricked him into ditching Annette once she realized he truly loved her, all by threatening his reputation she dismisses him, saying that she doesn't fuck losers. Where were we? Oh, yes. The celebration. What shall we toast to? To my triumph. It's not my choice to toast, but it's your call. To your triumph over Annette. <laughs> What's so funny? Silly rabbit. My triumph isn't over her. It's over you. Come again? You were very much in love with her. And you're still in love with her. But it amused me to make you ashamed of it. You gave up on the first person you ever loved because I threatened your reputation. Don't you get it? You're just a toy, Sebastian. A little toy I like to play with. And now you've completely blown it with her. I think it's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Cheers. So I assume you've come here to make some arrangements. But unfortunately, I don't fuck losers. Goodbye, Sebastian. I'd be like, well, bitch, we still had a bet. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> You mean if I didn't fuck her and then I was just like, I don't give my car to losers, that would have been okay? Yeah. Come on. Well, you do a lot of other shit with losers. He calls Annette. He's like, I made a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what he to does. do now. He basically, that's what it is. He's like, I got to go back. <laughs> Sebastian tries desperately to contact Annette to confess the truth and beg for another chance, but she refuses to see him. He does drop off the journal for her, though, which details Catherine's manipulative schemes 
their bet and his true feelings for her. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're supposed to. He just to... shows up at that party. He's like, I know. Annette! Annette! Just an embarrassment. <laughs> the woman's like, yeah. leave? That's the only time in the movie where I kind of feel like I relate to Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> just showing up, making a scene. Yeah, you're probably looking for me. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're afraid Zach. I've got a new podcast co-host <laughs> after that Counting Crows incident. <laughs> and your horrific Leonardo DiCaprio and Django take that everyone was complaining about on Twitter. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Annette, I don't know what I can possibly say to rectify the harm I've caused you. The truth of the matter is, being with you is the only time I've ever been happy. My whole life has been a joke. <laughs> Me. That's the part I really do. <laughs> I prided myself on taking joy in others' misery. Well, it finally backfired. I succeeded in hurting the first person I loved. Enclosed is my most prized possession, my journal. She's like, what a dork. <laughs> She's like, no thank you, throws the journal out the window. For a long time, I considered it my trophy, a sordid collection of my conquests. If you really want to know the truth, then please read it. No more lies. Please give me another chance. I'm a wreck without you. (laughs) Pathetic. God. Catherine calls Ronald and says that Sebastian hit her and violated Cecile, prompting Ronald to go after Sebastian. Now, I guess they did film a scene where he does hit Catherine. Oh, wow. And then they didn't use it and, and changed it. Yeah. That would have been a heel move. Because clearly what they're suggesting in the movie is that this is all a lie. You have no reason to believe that he did this. Right. When would he have? Yeah, He's he... been waiting outside Annette's house the whole time. His baby face turn would be in question if he hit a girl, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like I was hedging. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. I'm yeah, just yeah. trying to think of why they would possibly include that i don't know yeah it seems they made the right choice not having it in ronald and sebastian start brawling in the streets again the ease of people being able to just find each other in new york city yeah i don't even know how you would know where sebastian was i know unclear because he's been waiting outside this place that annette is staying now which is like her friend's parents it's like how does ronald know where this is how does anyone know where this is How does fucking Sebastian know where this is even? That's a good point. Annette comes upon the scene as she's now maybe forgiving of Sebastian. We're not really sure. It seems like she's looking for him, though, because she looks out the window, sees he's walking away, then runs outside, and then this fight is happening. Right. And tries to intervene, but she gets knocked into oncoming traffic because they're literally fighting on one side of the street, and then the traffic is like bustling by on the other side. (laughs) Yeah, it is a dangerous place to have a fist fight. Sebastian is hit by a taxi when he pushes her to safety. Although, I know she ends up being safe, but he pushes her even further into traffic. Yeah, There's well, luckily there was wins. no other cars. <laughs> How fast was this fucking cab going? The guy hits his brakes oh, he slams so on his brakes. far in advance, and he's still going fast enough to kill him? Yeah. What? Well, it's New York City. It's the hustle bustle. I guess, man. It seems very unlikely he would die. Yeah. They profess their love for each other as Sebastian somehow just dies in the street. <laughs> I, com- what do you think that does for his reputation? 
What, that he's professing his love as he dies? Killed by cab at five miles an hour. (laughs) He's like fucking Mr. Glass over here. (laughs) Let's compare Glenn Close's reaction in Dangerous Liaisons to Sarah Michelle Gellar's total no-sell of this. Oh, I know. And Glenn Close has like a complete meltdown when Malkovich dies, where she's just like losing her mind. Inconsolable. Destroying the room and everything. They don't even show Sarah Michelle Gellar. She's just like, all right, well, I'm going to give this eulogy that mostly puts myself over. Well, I guess I get his car. <laughs> yeah, I won. It's a very bizarre choice, though, because I do think that in a weird way, Dangerous Liaisons makes you feel some kind of sympathy for that Catherine character. I, I would agree with that. Because why else show this? You can't watch a meltdown like that and not feel some something and be like okay so she does have real emotions like she's in pain not Catherine in cruel intentions she doesn't care <laughs> no well she's cold there's a bathroom scene at the funeral before everything goes down between Annette and Catherine this is the first time these two have seen each other and they both act like they are just meeting for the first time but I think that they both know that the other one does know who they are and it's right. like this weird moment Catherine, of course, has no idea what's about to go down. Annette just plays it off. She even references turning to Jesus, which I think is supposed to be a joke. Right. Like, she knows what's going on with the rosary that <laughs> Catherine <laughs> Well, Well, because that, that's in the journal, too. Yeah. There's multiple references to her Coke problem, including it being written in big letters by her picture. <laughs> it's just sort of Sebastian's move. Catherine gives a eulogy at sebastian's funeral but things go wrong the students start leaving midway through the speech Catherine freaks out then rushes out of the church to find cecile handing out copies of sebastian's journal everything is exposed the manipulations and the drug abuse Catherine's pristine reputation is destroyed which of course we referenced earlier her reputation that she's built as like this good girl this perfect student perfect young woman is a prison in a way but now it's completely demolished everything she's worked for right the cocaine in the cross of her rosary gets revealed by the new headmaster annette's dad <laughs> it's which kind of like lame scene he just like opens up no no like, it's not lame it's incredible the face <laughs> that sarah michelle geller makes where she's like <laughs> like she's crying and then like makes that face and he's like shaking his head in shame yeah, I think the implication is she's going to be expelled right. from school. Okay. But yeah, it is pretty wild. I guess we get desensitized to it in movies, but if somebody brought cocaine into high school, yeah, I would say that's uh, expulsion worthy. So to go along with what we were saying before, I think that Sarah Michelle Gellar should have won Best Actress that year. <laughs> she wasn't nominated, not surprisingly. No one from this film was nominated. It didn't even get good reviews. In 1999, Hilary Swank won her first Oscar for Boys Don't Cry. Annette Bening was also nominated for American Beauty. Janet McTeer was nominated for Tumbleweeds, whatever that is. Julianne Moore was nominated for The End of the Affair. Mm. And Meryl Streep was nominated for Music of the Heart, which I believe Wes Craven directed and was like one of his only non-horror entries. It's a terrible movie. I think there's room for Sarah Michelle Gellar. To at least be nominated. Definitely. And you know what? Hilary Swank, I love her, but she won another Oscar in 2004 for- She had her moment in the sun. Million Dollar Baby. I think that Sarah Michelle Gellar should have been nominated (laughs) and should have won. 
Her whole career could have been different. I do like the publication of Sebastian's journals, though. Catherine's multiple mentions is like on one page, it's like a picture of her, and it just says deceitful, drug addict, coke, alcoholic, coke problem. <laughs> and then like you turn the page, and it's another picture of her with just words above it that says "I'm a bitch." <laughs> Yeah, he definitely was obsessed with her in a yeah. way. But it also has pages for Cecile and Annette and stuff, but we don't really get to see what he wrote else. there. Yeah. I wish he wrote something just like completely embarrassing about Annette that like he wouldn't want her to know. Yeah, he, he did edit it. He took some pages out before he gave it to her. <laughs> He's like, missing well, pieces. I'm going to be honest, but I don't want to be like completely honest. Yeah. <laughs> You know, no one person really ever truly knows another. (laughs) There's some things that are better left unsaid. In the final scene, Annette drives away in Sebastian's car with his journal at her side, recalling their fondest moments together. It's sort of a stupid ending. I don't really like those like flashbacky montage, like what happened to us things. It's like, okay, this movie's an hour and 38 minutes. (laughs) Like we remember what happened. Exactly. Bittersweet Symphony plays over the entire Amazing. Ending. It a- is great. Absolutely incredible. Even though the ending of Dangerous Liaisons might even be funnier when everyone starts booing Glenn Close. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's so out of nowhere. You're like, what? Well, just watching that recently, I was like, do they start booing Catherine? Like, I, I wish. I know. <laughs> that would have been great. They boo her at the eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do just walk out on it. It is absurd, but the music makes it. So much better oh, at the so ending. Good. Parts of it seem like they're in slow motion and right. everything. It's, yep. it's it's great. So after the fact, they they did two straight-to-video sequels, one of which is actually a prequel called Cruel Intentions 2. It was based off of three episodes of a failed Fox television show that got canceled before it ever aired called Manchester Prep. Mm. And... They cast new people in all of the roles, including Amy Adams as Catherine. Oh, yeah, big get. So then they put the three episodes together. They added R-rated material. Roger Cumble was, like, involved, hmm. which is weird, because he has had a career. He still, like, directs movies and right. stuff. It's embarrassing, though, to do, like, a direct-to-video shitty sequel, but okay. Cruel Intentions 3 is garbage, so we're not going to talk about it. But Cruel Intentions 2 is interesting, with Amy Adams in the mix. Sebastian starts out at a different school. Okay. And the story is he gets kicked out of that school and and joins his stepsister and gets involved in this Manchester prep world. He is a douchebag and not a good person, but he's not really at that level. Yeah. Where he is in Cruel Intentions, where he's like a total sociopath and weirdo. Sure, just out there to ruin everyone's lives. Yeah, he's not like that. Right. And I guess like it does sort of make sense that he's not really like his stepsister and that he can change back into being somewhat of a normal human being amy adams being in it is hilarious because she is actually terrible in it (laughs) as is everyone else yeah it's not one of those things where you're like oh i can tell who would be the real actress out of this group it's like everyone kind of stinks the girl that plays d divine from yeah drive me crazy is in it she has an orgasm while on a horse Uh uh-huh i did see this (laughs) before she well she's kind of like the cecile type character right yeah yeah I never knew about that it was originally meant to be like a, a TV series thing, but it makes sense because the quality level of it is not great. There is a scene where Sebastian's taking a shower and yes. his sister sends in twins right, who get nude, although 
on Amazon Prime, you can tell that they're wearing bottoms. Like sometimes you know how like oh yeah yeah, yeah. you can catch a glimpse right. that like is not supposed to be there. Like yeah. clearly they're just topless, but they're yeah. identical twins and they make out. And she was doing this at him or as a favor for him. I don't remember what the <laughs> yeah. context exactly is, but they're I do remember sisters the scene. Yeah. and they make out. He's like holding a bottle of like shampoo or something, right, and squeezes it out. Matt, I don't know that you're getting this. <laughs> I know that like it's funny that the step siblings who yeah, aren't actually it, okay, related so in real life it, these they, are twins who are real twins. They had to up it to true incest. <laughs> these are actual sisters IRL and they kiss. We had to go from frowned upon to illegal. <laughs> well, the kissing I guess isn't actually illegal, but <laughs> just fr- it's it is frowned upon. Okay, yeah. It's like this is heading down a <laughs> right. a bad path. This is the part that stands out to me, though, because it's made all the better because it's Amy Adams saying it, which makes it so funny to me. Uh-huh. Sebastian says, as they're kissing, because, yeah, they do kiss, and it, they start going down the path a little bit. You do realize you're my stepsister, he says. And then Catherine says, you know what they say about incest? Does not elaborate on that. I'm like, well, what, what, what do they say? I don't know. <laughs> is there some saying? I think they say it's illegal. Sebastian says, is there any line you won't cross? I guess Catherine, it depends who you ask. Only one. Never in the butt. Oh, so that that's where they're like setting it up. <laughs> but the fact that Amy Adams says never in the butt. <laughs> Can you tack that line onto the end of this episode? Sebastian says, that's a good line. Catherine, the Brady's never had it so good. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? I found it to be very funny. I thought the orgasm on the horse was funny, too, and completely out of nowhere. And that was not something they added to make it an R-rated movie. That, that was for the pilot. That was the reason it's not a TV series. One of, I yeah. guess it infuriated Rupert Murdoch that they were going to try to put that on Fox or something. Okay. So then in 2015, there was a canceled TV series. It was a sequel series. They did get Sarah Michelle Gellar involved. I think a TV oh, wow. movie came out of it. I don't know if it ever aired. I know that it's on IMDb. It's from 2016. Sarah Michelle Gellar's in it. Peter Gallagher is in it. Oh, all right. I think that they do bring back the character of Annette, but it's recast, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Reese Withers are not involved. In October of 2021, it was announced that there is a television series reboot for IMDb TV, which got a big yikes from me. I'm like, so now IMDb TV is greenlighting new series? Who's going to watch this? This okay. is like the I Know What You Did Last Summer series that got canceled already after right. one season. Like, yeah. Nobody's going to watch this I stuff. Know. It's Come on. It needs to be a big deal. And by big deal, I mean it has to be on Netflix or HBO or else no one's going to know about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Amazon Prime fucking I Know What You Did Last Summer. No one knew about it. No one cared. I never saw it. I would probably never watch it. And then IMDb TV? Like what? I know. That stinks. Give me a Netflix reboot of this show. <laughs> demanding make it like nc-17 level content a right. lot of incest i'm feeling like uh, netflix doesn't want to go there they should yeah look at the success of euphoria come well, on if they knew what was good for business they're like insanely successful <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you want to make some real money netflix come on <laughs> all of a sudden the biggest mass exodus from netflix ever <laughs> yeah somehow over yeah. this All right, so thanks to Justin. This was one that we had planned to do eventually. I think that's actually the case for a few of the listener requests we're going to do this year, but 
We're not changing them. And we're not giving you a second chance. If we were going to do it anyway, we're still doing it. Yeah. We're just putting lister requests by I, it. This was a good pick. It's kind of a shock that we have, haven't have gotten it in, to it until now. But Yeah, there's always like those ones that just are still sitting there. Right. You know, and we can grab them up at some point. There's certain movies that it's, it's so fun to talk about them. And this is unquestionably one of them. Yeah, it's got sort of like an incest theme, anal sex on the table, <laughs> rich people acting terribly right what's not to love yeah what are you doing what what vincent stopped making picks well how am i gonna know what movies to see we have a wide variety of gene picks gene's trash i'm gene so let's do recommendations real quick i'm gonna keep mine very simple and they're both related to this film cruel intentions two and three okay no, i'm kidding <laughs> You don't need to watch Cruel Intentions 2 and 3, although I do think there are some funny parts in 2. It is mostly bad. Yeah. I'm going to recommend Dangerous Liaisons on HBO Max. You can see another adaptation of this story set in 18th century France, which is you know when the novel was published, which was like a controversial and shocking novel at the time. Wasn't quite to the level of like the Marquis de Sade, but similar like yeah france had some very boundary pushing writers even hundreds of years ago i have to say on dangerous liaisons the scene like i guess the equivalent scene to like him going back to catherine for the last time and her basically rejecting him and being like jokes on you the version of that scene in dangerous liaisons is like amazing yeah that scene is like incredible all the way up to the point where glenn close is just like war like that scene is so good and he realizes like god i had a chance with michelle pfeiffer and i fucked it up right let's just say this though a young uma thurman yeah mama mia (laughs) (laughs) yo wow (laughs) yo (laughs) and i'm also going to recommend the hilarious not another teen movie on netflix which parodies Every teen movie from both the 80s and the 90s, basically, and the early 2000s up until 2001 when it came out, it has a lot of Cruel intention stuff in there, which are very funny. I actually think Not Another Teen Movie is probably funnier than basically any comedy from the last 10 years. Uh-huh. I think it's very funny. We started to watch a couple yeah, scenes is. right before right. we started recording, and I was like, this is great. Man, I watched that movie like a million times back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> Mia Kirshner plays the... Catherine of Not Another Teen Movie. She's so good in it. So funny. Yeah. The song at the she end. She has some of the best lines, though, too. Yeah. And they take it to like a level that's so insane. <laughs> Where she's talking about taking shits on chests. and I mean, it's <laughs> right. so absurd. But it's a hilarious comedy that you can watch on Netflix, especially after you watch Cruel Intentions. So check them out. HBO Max, Netflix. Okay, I'll do the one that I was going to do last week, but didn't in the spirit of time. But speaking of Netflix, Lost Daughter, I think you finally watched that, didn't you? Yeah, I watched it this week. I thought it was pretty decent. I like the angle. It was never sort of a weird angle to have a a dude in the story that abandoned their kids. Yeah. You know, it kind of tales all this time there. But this was kind of an interesting angle. And I like that Jesse Buckley. Olivia Coleman was, of course, good. But for Maggie Gyllenhaal directing this what felt like kind of out of nowhere i thought she did a pretty good job with it and pretty cool it kind of felt like it's not all like it doesn't really quite deliver i felt like but yeah the um, ending is strange to me yeah i I would agree but i thought 
through most of it. It was pretty well put together, and the performances are good. And I like. I was very interested in the angle. Yeah, it was like a little bit of a, a mixed bag for me. Uh, there was a lot of stuff to like. There was some stuff that I th- thought was kind of boring. How about Olivia Coleman flipping out in that movie theater? <laughs> that was a great scene. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it stars Olivia Coleman, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's pretty new on Netflix. Dakota Johnson, great in a trashy role. Yeah. We can talk a little bit more about that off mic. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely enjoying it. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be up for awards. I, I guess it'll probably be in the mix for some stuff. Who knows? I can never really tell anymore, especially know, it's with hard. Netflix. It's, right. it's hard to get a read on things. But yeah, so two things to check out on Netflix, one on HBO Max. Thanks to Justin for the listener request. If you have one, you can let us know on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Please follow us there anyway. We will try to get to it when we can. We're not planning on stopping the show anytime soon, so we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. Someday. We got a lot left in we us. We have a lot of other stuff we want to do, too, though, other than your horrible picks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Cruel Intentions was great. We were going to do it anyway. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We always love to see that. You can always slide into our DMs or, or tweet at us. Just engage with the show yeah. if you want. We always love hearing from you. Send Zach a message about how you disagree with my horrible takes. I'm sure he'll be happy to pile on with you. Yeah, that's basically what was going on. <laughs> Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. Let us know if you'd like a sticker. We still have some. We can send one to you for free anytime you want. I think that'll do it, right? Absolutely. All right, so thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>
wish I didn't make that bet. That's not the guy I want to be. If I could just turn back the clock, then Janie would still be with me. Tell me, Mom, what should I do? I love this boy, but he has been untrue. I'll do my best to make things right. I wish we could resolve this fight. It could happen. It could happen at the No matter what Even if it's with dirty slot True love is what I want the most I just jerked off in your French toast So what? Uh... 